Blog Talk Radio. Welcome once again to the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Clifford Lowe of clifflow.com in scenic, scenic, New Jersey, and in just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood of luckymojo.com in Forestville, California, and JD of hoodoohousedetroit.com in Detroit, Michigan. This week, we will be joined by a special guest, Elvira of Elvira.com in Arkansas, bringing us today's topic of spirit animal communication. They will take your calls and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection. Use traditional African-American trope magic practices of hoodoo, conjure, or root work as divined and prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodooists of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening but if you're selected from among those who signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and called into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first let's catch up with our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood and J.D. Miss Cat? Hi, Clifford. Well, uh, first of all, of course, I always check in with you, our faithful announcer. How are things in your world? Things are pretty good. Um, it's a little chilly night in Teaneck, but otherwise things are tranquil. <laughs> things are tranquil, yeah. I know we have some funky astrological weather out there, um, and all I can say is it is definitely doing what we predicted it would do. So um, for all of you funky astrologers, I hope you're enjoying it <laughs> because it's a mess. It's a real mess. Um well, here at the shop, we have just finished week two of my impromptu um, apprenticeship with um, the lady from Kuwait, who I've mentioned before. She came such a long way, and it was so difficult for her to be here and stay here um, that I just decided to do an apprenticeship just for her. But also um, Colleen in the in the shop and Max in the shop have been kind of sitting in on some of the apprenticeship. Last week we made oils and um, incenses and mojo bags. This next week we're going to be doing bath crystals, sachet powders, and jack balls. And that will conclude the apprenticeship and Miss Kuwait can go back to Kuwait. (laughs) So that's all I've been doing. I've been working so hard just trying to get up every morning and teach for four to five hours and, um, you know, then grab a quick lunch and go back to teaching. So uh, I have been working on my Patreon uh, projects. I'm working my way through the last of the floriography pages. There are four floriography pages, and these will eventually be unveiled to the public. But for now, I just want to thank my wonderful patrons who have supported me with a couple of bucks, anywhere between a couple of bucks to a whole lot of bucks, um, to keep me working on these freebie pages that will be unveiled to the public later. And the big news of the week is that you can now buy uh, Hoodoo Heritage Festival workshops by the each. 
in uh, Podia, which is our uh, system for delivering them. It's the um, Hoodoo Heritage Festival Learning Portal, otherwise known as hoodooworkshops.com. Write that down, all one word, hoodooworkshops.com. For $25 each, you can get any one of our one-hour videoed workshops. Now, we have workshops going back way back to 2006 before the festival even started, back to 2008 when the official uh, festival started. We have plans to bring some of those old workshops back because some of those people are still alive and can still present them. And so we have lots of plans. For $25, you would get um, the workshop, a Q&A session, a PDF of the lecture notes, which some of you know through having bought the red folder and black folder. And uh, there are going to be, not yet, but there's going to be the option to buy books because many of the workshops we introduce new books. And those books will be made available for sale as well. Right now, we still have a few goodie boxes left over from the 2022 festival. And we haven't put it up yet, but within the next week or two, we're going to put up the entire 2022 festival, which you can buy as one big package, and we will send you the goodie box until we run out of goodie boxes. So that is what's going on. This is everybody who's ever been on this show, who's ever been at the festival. I think you know members of AIR, and uh, the workshops are fantastic. This is really an opportunity to add to your learning for $25. Pick and choose whichever ones you want. Just go to hoodooworkshops.com. We've already announced this yesterday, and we've already been selling them. There are People are buying them, so... Um, Rush on in. Buy them. You're going to like it. It's really a nice thing. And a big, big shout-out to Reverend James, who created this uh, in collaboration with Papa G. Big shout-out to both of them. And Reverend James has is a master uh, web page designer and coder and has made this thing really fabulous. So if I can say it one more time, it is Hoodoo Workshops. Dot com. Type that in, Mr. Nagashiva. HoodooWorkshops.com. And, um, of course, we're also planning right now for the 2023 Hoodoo Heritage um, Festival, which will be on June 10th and 11th, which Shiva typoed. <laughs> he typed October 10th and 11th. <laughs> um, how about we fix that in the when we do the chat. Oh, and right. and, um, and Reverend Art says, and bookmark it for future updates. That's right. Um, Reverend Art knows um, how much work went into this and is definitely um, standing on the sidelines cheering Reverend James. <laughs> so, yeah, it's going to be something, something really wonderful. This is the next level we've all been talking about. All right, well, that's it for me and my news. Um, Now, today we have a new co-host, and this is throwing him in at the deep end. This is J.D., who has been on once before in an oracle hour talking about dice divination, and now he's our co-host. But you all know how that works. It's 
<laughs> Hooray for JD. So JD is a member of AIR, a member of Hoodoo Psychics. He is a moderator at the Lucky Mojo Forum. Every week he and I work on the forum um, cleaning up threads, getting things in shape, answering questions for people. JD is one of our best colleagues, wonderful man. So, um, Contraman was not available today. So, JD, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Ms. Kat. Um, how are you? Oh, I'm fine, but you got to tell me now. This is your opportunity. What have you All been right. doing? All right. Well, I've been working actually on a really cool project. So I'm working on my PhD. So you know that. We talked about it. And Mm -hmm. I'm actually working on a really um, cool project right now, which is focused on my own culture and the cultural norms of my family and community and how they've influenced me and my upbringing. So I've been doing a lot of um, research into my Italian culture and, you know, my family traditions and uh, talking with some family members and um, just really finding some great history about my family and really putting this into a project. Um, wow. Well, I, as always, anytime anyone mentions that their ethnicity, culture, or background, I say, you know, the Ironwood Institution could use a 96-page book on Italian folk magic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your man. <laughs> You're my man, Okay. Yeah. I've got some really cool stuff talking. Well, I remember some from my childhood. I've been talking to like my uncles and my, uh, you know, my aunts, and getting some of the the things that my grandparents and my great grandparents did. It was just really cool hearing it from them. That's yeah. You know, this is what's so wonderful about folklore in general. And although this is the Hoodoo Root Work Hour, we honor everybody's background. And our guest, uh, Miss Elvira, also comes from a Sicilian background, and so we have a we have a little bit of a Mediterranean thing going on here today. <laughs> um, but we put our focus on African American hoodoo. But like many people, we also come from our own varied backgrounds, and we have our own traditions, and they do modify and uh, change as we grow. We don't just stay. Um, you know, stuck in the ways of one portion of our family. We're all children of earth, and we reach out all around the world and make friends everywhere. So this is going to, we're going to bring in uh, Miss Elvira. Now, Elvira is going to bring us our topic on spirit animals, but first let's find out a little bit about Miss Elvira. So Elvira has been on this show a number of times. She used to live in California, and she actually used to work at Missionary Independent Spiritual Church and at the Lucky Mojo Kirioko, and I miss her dearly. Uh, she yeah. moved away and uh, to be with her family, and uh, so we don't talk as much as we used to. We don't see each other as often as we used to. I still have a statue in my office that looks like her. It's a statue with yeah. a of a gypsy card reader or crystal ball reader. And every time I look at it, I go, it's Elvira. It just happens to look like her. Um, so she's still always in my mind. So, Elvira, welcome to the show. How are things Thank in you. your world? Cold, um, <laughs> looking like we're going to have a little snow flurry. Of course, a week ago we had a tornado watch, which was my first experience on my very own, in my very own house, all by myself as to 
what I needed to do or not do should that happen. Um, so, you know, it's been a, uh, an interesting excursion into changing um, habitats, so to speak, from California to Arkansas. <laughs> wow. But I do miss you, by the way, and, and I'm glad that that statue reminds you of me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you noticed how much it looks like you, right? Yes, it does. It tended to get a little weird at times when I would be working on the computer, doing what I was doing for either Lucky Mojo or the church, and I kept looking up, and it was like looking at myself. It was kind of strange. It really was. Yeah, <laughs> it, that's because it, it's right behind the. It's on a front of a pedestal. It's right behind the computer. You look up from the computer, and there's Elvira looking at you. <laughs> looking back at you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Nagashiva just posted something in the chat, and he said it's been a long time since Elvira's been on. It was March of 2020. And you were on with a show, interestingly, called Animal Helpers in Magic. So I remember that show, yeah. And um, and right before we went uh, live, we were all talking about our various experiences with terriers. Isn't that funny? Um, animals <laughs> must be important here. Um, so uh, the Animal Helpers in Magic show uh, is archived, but this is about spirit animals. Now, I'm going to give just a little introduction before I turn this over to Elvira. So, uh, starting with the word animal, I think we're pretty clear that we're speaking about non-human species. But whether they are mammals, birds, reptiles, amphibians, uh, fish, um, mollusks, or by you name it, it's one of those. It, it can be any of those are considered animals, zoological spirits. Number two, the word spirit has many meanings. So spirit animals can refer to spirits of the dead. In other words, a deceased animal or pet or a deceased wild animal spirit. An animal, a spirit animal can be one that you've never known in quote, real waking life. In other words, the spirit of a dinosaur. It can also be the spirit of an animal that comes to you as um, an omen. In other words, it may not be your spirit animal that follows you everywhere, but it could be a warning animal or an encouraging animal, an animal that says, go this way, not that way. So spirit has so many meanings that we're going to get into all of those meanings when we talk about spirit animals. We're also going to talk about how to encourage relationships with spirit animals and how to honor them. All right, I'm going to turn this over to you, Elvira. Well, thank you. And it's interesting, I must be on a kick from 2020 to now with animals. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, you know, in general, um, working with spirit animals, you know, I I tend to look at the physical as a reflection of the spirit and the spirit as a reflection of the physical. So sometimes when an animal is out of body and connects with you, uh, either in waking state or in um, a semi-liminal state, uh, it is important to take into consideration connecting, getting to know this animal in different, you know, ways of, you know, communication. But I also look at 
what we do see out in the world, and it suddenly, you know, like happens that that spirit of that animal said, we need to have you look at it physically, and now you need to go into the spirit world to work with us. So I do tend to work with um, both sides, and I feel that it also gives me an idea of how big um, the realm is because I don't think many of us, well, some may go scuba diving, but I don't think going into the ocean and going down into the deep areas and, you know, hanging out there is something that many of us do on a regular basis. But something of that element connects with you. You know, you don't have to, you know, I don't feel you have to go into the water. You can. Um, so that's part of it. And, and again, the um, aspect of divining with these animals is part of it. So sometimes you're dealing with a client and there is something that happens and a spirit animal comes to you. Sometimes it's even in the cards that you are utilizing or the, the means with which you're using for divination. And I think that comes in and you connect with that spirit to bring in a um, some help and some help for yourself to help them, but also for them to start helping themselves. Um, I found it interesting that a lot of what I find with what I deal when I'm dealing with spirit animals is how my breath changes. Um, and it doesn't mean that it sounds ridiculously dramatic, but it does change with the way you connect with a different spirit animal or within the concept of spirit and the realm of spirit. So that is, you know, another version um, for me to know when I'm being connected with a spirit of an animal. And, of course, you know, um, all of us who have had animals who have either in one form or another have parts of, you know, the ashes, the body is in our yard, it's, you know, staying, it's deteriorating, but it's there. Um, and then they come. So animals that we have lost to the physical realm come back to us. And um, they are, are, there are guides maybe to like a dog to a wolf. So I feel there's a connection that animals in their um, particular environment will connect with you as far as that and get you to another level. Now, um, I kind of want to open this up to Miss Cat and to um, JD because I feel that this is a realm that I could pontificate on, but I really want the connection because we, we both, we, all of us have versions of what we do, and I feel that that's when people get to hear how each of us works with the you know, spirit and spirit of animals is the specific, you know, dynamic we're talking about today. So, Ms. Cat? Yeah, I have one thing I'd like to point out. The animal spirit guides, um, you know, all metaphysical and occult uh, thoughts have a historical basis and a cultural basis, and they go through periods of popularity and then obscurity. The idea of spirit guides um, really entered into popular metaphysics in the Western civilization when the spiritualist church started. But animal spirit guides were not spoken of. They were usually said to be 
uh, you know, masters, uh, occult masters, sometimes Native American spirit guides, and so forth, sometimes spirits of the beloved dead. But animal spirit guides did not appear much in 19th or early 20th century uh, occultism, popular occultism. But when um, people began to investigate Native American ways of thinking and began to see things like those little Zuni uh, carved turquoise bear fetishes and things like that, there was a real interest in animal spirit guides, which was very centered and centric to Native American spirituality. So you could call it cultural appropriation if you really want to be mean and sarcastic to people, but I think all of a sudden it became cultural appreciation. Now, also, there's another thread to spirit animal spirit guides, and this is the idea of people changing shapes, shapeshifters. In the Jewish tradition, there is a particular um, thing called a werewolf, which has been accepted by many, many people. They don't know that it was Jewish originally, but the um, descendants of this biblical guy, Benjamin, can, when the moon is uh, full, they become wolves. And there are also other European ideas, um, the silkies, you know, the seals that are really women, and so forth and so on. The idea of shape-shifting witches, which can be negative, like, you know, Circe and all of that. Um, and there's also, of course, the beneficial and the lover animals who become your sexual partner in spirit animal form. So these all are found all around the world. There are, of course, the fox ghosts of Japan, and it's just it's pretty wide open territory. But somehow all of that came kind of crashing in on popular occultism in the 60s and 70s. And so there was a particular guy who I just want to give a shout-out to. His name was Ted Andrews. And he wrote more about this than anybody else did at the time. He's not the originator of this, but he really did a lot of cataloging of the ideas. And um, so that's all I had to add. What do, what do you think of his work? Are you asking me? Yeah, uh-huh. Oh, oh, sorry. I didn't know. I didn't address. I love Ted Andrews. You know, he has been, um, well, first, he is, he's got a multitude of different uh, books that he's written on subjects, plants and, you know, different things. But his animal, uh, I think it's called Animal Speaks, uh, mm-hmm. is incredible. I feel it, you know, as a guide uh, to mm-hmm. how to connect with spirit animals, um, what they do in the real world, you know, and what that helps you understand, you know, if it's your totem spirit animal or if it's one that's connecting with, you know, you to help yourself or others. I find his work absolutely wonderful. I, you know, I'm always suggesting um, the book to clients when they start having things to do because, it doesn't deal with mythological um, animals, uh, which is another sector of all of this, but it does tend to have a broad enough base that for what we experience and a lot of people experience uh, will be very helpful for them and not just, you know, a dictionary on this, but it helps them understand the, the, uh, the animal and then what that spirit animal is. 
Right. I'm, um, Animal Speak is one book by him. And Rev. Mm-hmm. Art says, Andrew's book has been one of my go-tos for as long as I can remember. And mm-hmm. uh, Dana M.K. says, Nature Speaks is good, too. Mm-hmm. And there's um, it, he really was um, a, an amazing teacher, and I just I recommend his books very very highly. He was um, he died fairly young. He was born in 1952 and died in 2009. And he packed a lot of things. Um, he did something called the Animal Speak Workbook, another one called mm-hmm. Animal Wise, and mm-hmm. another one called the Intercession of Spirits. He really was an amazing um, worker, and I. I mm-hmm. recommend him highly, particularly in his books on animal spirits. So I'm going to bring yeah. J.D. into this. Uh, J.D., are you familiar with the work of Ted Andrews? A little bit. I've seen some of it. But when I seen the topic today, it got me really interested. So I actually did some digging into Harry Hyatt and his folklore ah. from Adams County. And I did find a few um, quotes about animals in his work. One, which was um, 10407, do not chase away a strange black cat. It may actually be a good spirit. Um, Another one where he talked about how um, there's a belief that loved ones actually return to earth in animal form to be with their uh, former loved ones. So that was 10403, which is really interesting. Um, Out here in Michigan, we have a large uh, Native American tradition, and um, we have a friend in the family who is uh, Native American. He lives on a tribe, and in his tradition, at the age of nine, um, they actually actively go out and seek a spirit, an animal spirit guide. Like, they actually go and do the work, meditation, go into nature, um, you know, connect with the earth, and, and do the work with a, a shaman to find their animal spirit guide. So, mm-hmm. Wow, that's really that's really interesting that you found that stuff in Hyatt's um, book. Um, I'm going to just uh, give a little quick gloss on that. The book, uh, Folklore from Adams County, Illinois, was the county that Harry Hyatt was born in. And at one point in his youth, he decided to collect folklore from everybody who would give him folklore in that one county. So it's this really oddly compressed um, sort of cross-section of what was happening there. When he started, he just wrote them all down. As he went on, he began to give the ethnic background, but he couldn't go back to the people he'd interviewed earlier and give their ethnic backgrounds. So it's kind of in different little sections. But there are um, English Americans, German Americans, there are African Americans, and so forth. The only people he excluded, and he said he excluded them on purpose, were Jews and Native Americans. And nobody knows why. It does have a little ring of potential racism. It may have been he felt it was just too strange. I don't know why he excluded them. But So you would not find uh, any Native American things in that book by Harry Hyatt. Later he became a little more liberal <laughs> as he grew up. But um, Folklore from Adams County, Illinois is available online if you want to look for it. That's wonderful, J.D. Thank you so much for giving those older ideas about animal spirits. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting to me. Um, yeah. So um, I'm going to say something else here about animal spirits. Many people um, are bone readers, 
So bone reading relies on the spirits of animals as well. So in doing bone reading, um, you are going to be working with the spirits of animals in the same way you might do if you were reading roots, you would be working with the spirits of herbs. And these animals are both specific. I mean, you know, every mink jaw comes from some individual mink, but they also, our tendency is to see them as species-wide so that the bone of a deer would have a different meaning than the bone of a lion because a deer has a different life than a lion. And it may not be that specific lion, but it might be just the tribe of lions. And yet that is a way of working spiritually with animals. Now, I find that if you spend time holding a bone, you'll probably end up connecting with that specific animal. And you may find out a lot more about that animal as you meditate on that bone. But the idea of the animals having symbolism is what comes to mind next. So when we do bone reading, we would say, oh, you know, the shell of an abalone represents female beauty and so forth and so on. There's all these different meanings that um, you can read my book, uh, Throwing the Bones, and um, you'll see a lot of those meanings. And you'll also see uh, some meanings and different ways to read bones in the books Bone Shells and Curios by Michelle Jackson. But to me, what was most interesting about bone throwing is connecting with those animals, and particularly teeth and claws and bones are surviving parts of animals that don't dissipate, and yet you can touch them and call up their spirits. So let me ask you, J.D., do you ever do bone reading with animals? I have not done bone readings yet. Other than with dice, I act, well, I guess that is bone reading because I actually have um, bone dice that I use. But, right, right. But and not how in about the, you, the way. How about you, Elvira? Do you read bones at all? You know, no, I don't. It's And it's weird that when you're talking to me, uh, saying these things, I'm thinking I bone readings with bones, but I will read bones when I go out in nature or when I find them. So I don't think it's quite the same thing, but it's, and it doesn't necessarily mean if, you know, at the time I may be just taking a breath out of, you know, my day to try and get my head back together and I'll find something, you know, and that will, I will connect with that spirit specifically Mm -hmm. or whatever, but I don't throw bones and then use those as divination tools. No. Well, one thing interesting about bone reading is there's there's a couple of ways to do it. One is to collect the bones based on the meaning that that species has in symbolism or to you personally. And the other way is to collect the bones of one animal only. And the most common versions of this would be to read possum bones or raccoon bones or skunk bones, the bones of one animal. And often if that if you killed that animal, you would make a pouch out of that animal's fur and keep its bones mm-hmm. in it. And this is a um, a way of connecting really with that one animal as a spirit guide. And uh, mm-hmm. it, it harkens back to an earlier way of living. I know that the vegans among us are now curdling and turning green, but that is a, a way of life for some people. Mm-hmm. And uh, the idea that, for instance, using 
the hooves of deer to make um, leg rattles among the Native Americans, mm-hmm. ankle rattles. Um, those are used to bring in the spirit of that deer. So our connection with animal spirits is clouded in some ways by our connection with animals, whether um, collaborative, collegial, or oppressive, murderous. These are things that people consider when working with bones. However, there's also the idea of working with animals, as you said, as you see them in nature. You walk out into the backyard and suddenly you're staring face-to-face with a little fox. And that's just, that has a meaning to you. That fox now has appeared and is bearing a message. It would behoove you to study up on foxes. Of course, we can all have our own individual feeling about, oh, this fox must mean such and such. But it helps to place these animals in their cultural um, uh, oh, belief systems, I guess you would say. And those are going to be regional. So when you see an elephant, you might want to study what the meaning of elephants would be in their native habitat. And there are two major types of elephants, African elephants and Indian elephants. They look different. They behave differently. Uh, Don't just say, elephant is my spirit animal and I'm going to wear an elephant totem on me. Find out how they are thought about, what their lives are like, and what their spirits are like. And again, when you talk about animal spirits by culture, you're going to find a lot of variation. There isn't one go-to-it book where everything's going to all be laid out for you on a chart in an Excel spreadsheet. Um, For instance, bats are lucky and fortunate in Asian cultures, and bats are considered somewhat scary, um, especially in Eastern Europe and in Europe generally. uh, They are not considered good. And so you have to think for yourself, where do I wish to place myself? With the culture of my ancestors? With the culture that's kindest to bats? It's up to you um, and to look at that. Another one um, that uh, you mentioned earlier uh, when we were talking before the show, Elvira, is spiders. Can you give us a, a, a hint about how spiders vary by culture? Well, at this point, you know, the Native American spider woman is very, um, you know, again, a name. Spider woman is very important to them. She is the weaver of the web. And, you know, mm-hmm. there is that to, you know, and it's the web of life. And there's a lot of meaning in that. But she, as a totem or as an, an insect, they honored her. They didn't, you know, freak out. Um, but then when you get into, um, say, Western European and you wind up with people who um, are beginning to see that totem, the spider, as evil because of the web. It, it, it snares you, and, and it, it engulfs you, and it takes you down. So there is the fear there that comes up, and thus the totem or that meaning becomes negative. Um, and, you know, we've, we've, we have different structures that... Um, the spider itself is, you know, necessary, you know, even in a real world level because it does have a purpose. It kills little bugs. Unfortunately, most of us get panicky when they're in our house and, you know, that kind of thing. And then, and that's coming from fear because it's different. It's, It's awful. It's this, but I would say 
for me, looking at something like that, I tend to go more with, you know, the concept that there is a good there, but that's because I don't come with a distinctive culture background to, you know, Western European or any of that that structured me that way. Um, And again, depending on, you know, even in the Asian culture, there is a certain sense. I mean, the spiders spin the silk that they make their garments out of, so they are honored. That's right. That's right. So um, there's a there is a lot of cultural variation, and I advise anyone who wants to work with animal spirits to don't just work out of what you saw in a horror movie when you were a child. Okay, <laughs> just let's let's not go there. I mean, you know, rats are another one. And people kind of laugh nervously when they find out that the rat is one of the honored 12 zodiac animals of China. (laughs) Ooh, the rat. Uh, But it's an honorable animal, very clever with its hands. It has great facility. It's a good thinker. These are things that are uh, understood differently in different cultures. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm going to bring in something, you know, non we, we, you know, physical world animals, but then there are the mythical animals, um, mm-hmm. you know, that we bring in. And, you know, again, culture has, you know, modern culture has brought that to different heights or different lows, depending on what you're talking about. Um, but, you know, you have um, the dragon, the griffin, you have the different, um, obviously the unicorn, uh, but you have all these mythical uh, animals that come from different cultures that are part of um, the animal spirit realm and have a, uh, a meaning and a depth to it that is part of uh, what you as a person in this time frame would be able to connect with. And I know that, you know, sometimes it's... Um, you dream about them or you, you know, it's like coming up and they're tapping on your door kind of saying, hello, wake up, you know, check me out. And we're going, why do you want to talk to me about, you know, that kind of thing. But I think the mythical process is, I would call it more with the spirit, the ether aspect. If you're looking at the four elements that everybody puts the um, different animals, categorizing them. And that takes on a non-physical realm to drive the energy out of the physical and into a higher, a deeper realm. I don't want to say higher as though there's a higher and a lower. But, um, and that is something that also has worked its way into our present-day culture. Yes, and I'm going to say something else about this, too. This is another cultural aspect to understanding animals. We talk of the four-element system, which is, um, you know, from the Levant westward, but there's also the Asian five-element system. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. therefore, if you look at your Chinese zodiac, they have a fifth element, which is metal. So Mm -hmm. you can be a a metal ox or a wood ox or whatever it might be. Um, um, There's, you know, those those are different. And so, again, the different system will give you an idea as to what it is, and you you might feel more comfortable in one system than another. You might feel, yeah, I'm going to use the Asian five systems here, five elements: um, fire, water, wood, metal, and earth. Um, okay, 
you could or you could not. It's up to you. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, fire, earth, air, and water, if that's the Western system. Um, right. So these ways of looking at things are um, important, and so is gender when talking about animal spirits. Gender is so important in how we relate to animals that we often have, at least in Anglo-Saxon, different names, different words for the animal depending on its gender. And even we might have a name for a genderless version of it, and we might also have a name for it when it is used as food. So, And we might have a name for it when a young one of it is called food. So we might have a bull and a cow, and they're collectively known as cattle. And then we might have an ox, which has been gelded. And then we might eat beef or veal. All of those words relate to one species, but they have different meanings. And so if someone says, I dreamed of a cow, it has a different meaning than I dreamed of a bull or I dreamed of an old work ox. You see, so the meaning has to do with how people interplay with some of those animals. I dreamt of a stag is different than I dreamt of a doe or a Mm -hmm. fawn, right? Very important mm-hmm. distinctions. And these distinctions are something that when you interpret for people, if people come to you with a dream of an animal that, that, or an animal that they saw, as a reader, as a diviner, it behooves you, and I'm speaking here to my audience of people, many of whom are professionals, it behooves you to understand and ask. Say, well, I dreamt about a deer. Ask them, was it a stag? Or was it a doe? Was it a was it a little fawn? Um, mm-hmm. Those are important questions. And if they say I I dreamt about a sheep, well, was it a wild, uh, you know, sheep or was it a domestic sheep? Was it a a ram or a ewe? Was it a little lamb? Right. Those right. W- will have different meanings in different cultures, and some of them will overlap with religions. Like, oh, all of a sudden I dreamed of an elephant. Might be I dreamed of Ganesh, the Hindu deity, or I dreamed of a lamb. Might be I dreamed of Jesus, the little lamb of God. Also, may I add that we also need to look at predator-prey consciousness. Oh, yes, yes. Yes, and that process is... Not just that, oh, I've got an eagle and that's a predator. It's, you know, mm-hmm. well, there's the eagle and all of what, it, you know, the spirit of that eagle. But then there is the aspect of what does that eagle prey on? What is the energy of what it is? And then what is that prey to the eagle? So there's a combination of both of those in terms of the spirit. So the spiritual aspect as well as the the real world aspect. But the predator-prey consciousness is really important because that balance is what we as humans, when we're involved with spirit, we're trying to understand, you know, in our, you know, because it's coming from spirit, we're also trying to live in the real world. We need to have the ability to connect and get that information in a in a in a holistic way. That is that's really important to understand. And one of the things I learned from working with spirit animals is that any given person might both have a predator and a prey 
spirit animal. Exactly. In other words, I might identify and often very strongly identify with a Malabar giant tree squirrel. That's pretty obscure, isn't it? I mean, you know, like I've never <laughs> been to Mal- Malabar. But, you know, I saw a picture of a Malabar giant tree squirrel and I went, me, that's it. I am that animal, right? It was like so <laughs> there. But when I was younger, I was encouraged um, by someone who was trying to teach me about Native American spirituality. I was encouraged to take a predator name because predators were more powerful. And I chose a red fox. And red foxes come in a melanistic um, or semi-melanistic variety. And I realized at one point that both red foxes and Malabar giant tree squirrels are kind of, you know, red with black and little white Uh bits. And I'm like, well, maybe I'm just seeing two sides of myself, the predator side of myself, which is confident and strong, and the prey side of myself, which only wants peace and wants to be high up in a tree and left alone. Right, right. And, you know, it, it's it's really interesting how we, we as the individual in terms of connecting with the animal and, and then going into the informational side of it and then going into the spiritual and the emotional side of it because I think our components need to be balanced and that, you know, when you go for knowledge and go out and get your dictionaries and your books and everything, there's always, especially with someone like Ted Andrews, there's a way to go into it and feel the connection, not just intellectually, but feel it and then go into the spirit aspect of it, which takes you upwards to that that higher value and the spirit, and then you connect. And sometimes, as you say, it's personal. It's your animal, it's your dog, it's the, one, the animal you accidentally hit, whatever. And it may be the whole entire deer, the actual energy of all deer. So, mm-hmm. you know, coming up with... So, um, no, I, I, I let you all know what my spirit guide uh, animals were. So how about you, J.D.? Do you have any animal spirit guides? Yes. Actually, mine is a um, Siamese cat. And it's very odd how I knew that, but it goes back to my childhood, and it's just been an animal I was obsessed with, and I've always, I dreamed about it, and it's always been a cat that I've wanted to um, bring into my home. Um, I owned one Siamese cat, in my life, um, great cat. Wow. Um, and how about how about you, Elvira? What what is your spirit guide animal? I'm glad you're sitting down, darling, because back decades ago, it became uh, the red fox. Red fox. Oh, how funny! Yes. Oh, how interesting. Yes. Um, well. Both uh, what people may not know is both Elvira and I are of Mediterranean Sicilian background. Isn't that interesting? Yes. Vulpina or vulpa, vulpa. That's yes, interesting. Vulpa. The the uh, the uh, the fox, the vixen. I the liked the vixen. That was my thing. The vixen. Wow. That was always the exciting part of it. But yeah, the and here's the interesting part is when I moved here, I stayed with a family member that was near my daughter. And that area is prolific in springtime with foxes, red foxes. They were all running around with their little kits, and everybody was making sure that no one harmed these animals. And I would see this, there would always be red foxes running around in the backyard of where I was staying, 
And, of course, they're cats that, you know, think they're, they're going to be lions, and so they try, and then the red fox looks up and then kind of, you know, kind of spushes and they kind of jump off. But um, it, it was amazing. I mean, I haven't had that much real-world physical experience with red foxes just hanging out there looking at you, you know, kind of going, hi, nice to see mm-hmm. you, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, very interesting. So, yeah, red They fox, are. We, we have red foxes, Elvira, at the – uh, north um, east corner of our property out there in the orchard. We see them all the time. Really? Red fox. Oh yeah. my oh, god. Yeah. Red foxes. Oh, yeah, they wow. don't come to the they don't come to the part of the property that has the house on it though. They they oh, they, they they're visiting, you know what I mean? That's yeah, very yeah. very interesting. So, um yeah, this is this shows um some uh, that was a funny like uh, Shiva says in the chat, mine is the slug. Um, and he's okay. not saying that he's not saying that to be um, funny. He actually has no. the slug as his, uh, particularly I believe the banana slug, isn't it, Nagashiva? Um, he's probably yes, muted. Slugs of all kinds, kind, he said. Okay, yeah, he's a little broken up because he's operating the board back there. Um, yeah, but I know the, the the Northern California banana slug has its devotees. Yes. Right. Yes. Oh, God. Miss Elvira. Yes, dear. Miss Elvira. Yes. Would you recommend for those in the audience do they go about trying to pick their own spirit animal, or would you suggest that they do work for one to reach out to them? I would suggest they do one to reach out to them for the purpose of your spiritual um, and personal growth. The choosing one usually comes from, I mean, most of the time, it comes from the fact that you've always had an affinity for a rabbit or you've always had an affinity for this and that you've chosen it, but it's actually chosen you. But when you consciously go, I want a giant black dragon, you can do that, but I think it's it's, you're you're making your intellect be the chooser rather than spirit. Yeah, I know what you're saying. That's the, I wish I was a red fox, but really I'm actually just a Malabar giant tree squirrel. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I mean, there's even a a validity to that in that you are, the, the red fox is something that you you are aspiring to, so you need to look at that and how that being the the squirrel being versus the the fox, how you can utilize that energy to connect. Maybe that's your growth period that you need to go into the um, the unknown aspect of fox that you're not accustomed to because you're over with the squirrel. Mhm, mhm, mm-hmm. so there is a certain you know sometimes we're driven by ego, but it's also the ego that is going to get us to learn <laughs> mhm, mhm um so i if I understand this, it's um know what you aspire to, but accept what resonates with you, yes. Yeah, I like that. That's really good. And as I was taught, and as I said, I was taught that it was better to have a predator than a prey. Um, And I'm not sure that that is necessarily true. Um, But 
um, I was told that as a young child, that not I was not a child, I was a young, young, well, I was a child. As a child, I was taught it's better to have a predator as a spirit animal because that way you'll feel safer, you'll feel stronger. Of course. Well, that makes sense. But yeah. there's still part of me that somehow is rodential, you know. That's it. I'm rodential, and that, um, and I know it. But I, you know, but like, how can you go forth in the world and go, well, I'm a rodent? <laughs> People just look at you like, what? <laughs> well, I mean, there's also the fact that in the Chinese astrology, I'm a metal rabbit or a metal hare. Mm-hmm. So you know, kind of looking at it as, well, the metal could be armor, but it's actually the rabbit that's underneath. So the rabbit is afraid. Right. right. Yeah. So that's I mean, a... yeah. And an antidote to that is, I moved into the house I'm in, and there were two little cottontail rabbits that were running around on my front yard. And my son-in-law, who had finished moving some of the furniture in, he turned around and he goes, they're never around. Little cottontails never were around here. And I go, yeah, uh-huh. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> well, these are different yeah. aspects, too, because, for instance, under the um, Babylonian or Western Zodiac, I am a bull. Never have really okay. identified with bulls other than that they are pretty strong and stubborn and they don't give up easily. Um, under the Chinese zodiac, I'm a boar or pig. Really don't identify with those at all. So, you know, these are systems that you can mm-hmm. grab onto or not. You can also just sit out in nature and go, well, what's showing up here, you know? Mm-hmm. And if what shows up are squirrels, you can say, you know, I'm kind of digging this. And that's what, you know, it's. it also, there is a question of dreaming. And as you said, meditating. Um, uh, and I have one final question. Do you think a person's spirit animal can change over the course of their life? Oh, yes, definitely, definitely. Just like our spirit guides that, you know, come in, you know, human or more humanoid form um, can change. Um, and some of them stay kind of in the background and others become more, you know, prominent accordingly, but I do believe they can change, and they do mm-hmm. change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a real important thing to understand. We don't have an answer for everyone here, what is your animal spirit guide? We're simply mm-hmm. um, uh, telling people that to look look at this aspect of the spirit world. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, and, you know, just like your friend's, change uh, over the years you know you your animal spirits um may change and um that's a an interesting thing i remember at a point where everybody was wearing dolphin pins do you remember that elvira oh yes oh yes everybody yes. wore dolphins so it's just like the whole dolphin thing and and people then work together with a collective consciousness to get dolphin-free tuna. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, oh, my God. Um, and, and it worked. A dolphin-free tuna mm-hmm. is now a thing. And I look at that and I think that was everybody, all at once the dolphins went, we're everybody's spirit guide now. Here, have a dolphin. Look, here's a little carved dolphin made of quartz, and here's a dolphin made of turquoise, and here's a dolphin made of howlite, and here's one made of sterling silver, and you should wear it. And now get us dolphin-free tuna, please. 
(laughs) (laughs) But see, that is the, you know, and what is the dolphin? The dolphin is is a community consciousness. It just Mm -hmm. jumped from being a dolphin. Well, it's a mammal, darling, between that. Mm -hmm. The mammal is the whale and the dolphin. Um, Looking at, they jumped from the aspect of water to the human population. That's yeah. Yeah. And of course we have our national spirit animals like the bald eagle and so forth. That was another one. When the bald eagle almost went extinct because of DDT pollution, which was causing, mm-hmm. uh, because they were at the high end of the predator chain, it was caused building up in their bodies and it was causing their eggs to be so fragile that they crushed. I remember writing a poem about falcons and eagles being on the verge of extinction, and they were. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like so freaked out. I wrote this poem. It was published. And um, and I wasn't the only one. Everyone got into that, and all of a sudden, DDT was banned. So these animals speak to us through through their spirits too. Mm-hmm. Right now, exactly. elephants are speaking very loudly. Elephants are getting everybody on their on their uh, uh, watch to to go help them. Elephants need help, and elephants. Everyone's wearing elephant jewelry, and you know, mm-hmm. um, supporting elephants. Yeah, that's what happens. Yeah. Those animals yeah. call out to us. Exactly. They, yeah. they 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 jump into the to the spirit realm and they make themselves known. Mhm. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. Um, uh, it's a two way street. Um, it's not just that we uh, get to have a spirit animal as if it was some little creature that we could keep in a cage and have as a pet. They are um, speaking to us about their needs and their desires as well. Um, it's very interesting to go on YouTube and uh, see all of the animals as human habitats encroach on the wild animals, see all of these animals coming into people's front yards and um, and asking for food and asking for help. Um, it's a, a new kind of relationship that's developing. Um, there's one guy who does nothing but feed raccoons. I mean, the guy, he's, his name is James Blackwood, the raccoon whisperer. And this guy just sits there and cooks hot dogs for raccoons and feeds them every night. Oh. And he has a little video camera set up. And you go, is, this, is the raccoon his spirit animal? Obviously. But there's also like 50 hungry raccoons on his back porch. <laughs> right? I do have one antidote before I guess we have our our call back to going into another segment. Um, my daughter had a baby um, opossum, and it came into the garage, and she basically picked it by the tail and told it not to come back and threw it out into the the uh, yard away from the animals because she knew that was what that she could do that, and it would say, and it did. It stayed away. Hmm. Yeah, when you talk to them, they will. All right. Yeah. Well, now we have um, we've had our little musical interlude, so um, let us go and take our clients. We'll talk to Clifford, and he'll bring up our client segment. Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com, and by the Association of Independent Readers and Reworkers, 
AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners located online at readersandrootworkers.org. And by Hoodoo Psychics, the first psychic line, run entirely by Hoodoo practitioners. Receive a reading with a trusted root worker instantly. Call 1-88-4-HOODOO or visit hoodoopsychics.com. And by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now it's time to go to the phones and talk to today's client. Our caller is Natalie calling from area code 202. Natalie, are you there? Yes, I am. All right. Um, you wrote, uh, two years ago my man passed away. His daughter was too young uh, to be executor of his uh, estate. Uh, he made his cousin his executor instead. Uh, he changed his mind to make uh, me the executor, but he passed before he could finalize it. Hold on. His cousin cheated everyone out of what we deserve, and I just found out that his cousin has passed. I told his daughter's mom the truth and how to prove it a few days ago. Will she do the right thing by all parties involved? Was my revelation in vain? Turning it over to you, Miss Cat. All right. I'm going to do a reading on this. So, um, uh, Natalie, I want to make sure I understand this. Um, did um, he changed his mind to make me the executor, but passed before he could finalize it? I see. So there's no written paper, okay? Correct. Is what you're saying? Yes. There, there is written paper. No, correct. There's no written paper. No written paper. All right, I understand. All right. What sign of the zodiac are you? Capricorn. Capricorn, and. Um, and you are in touch now with his daughter's mom. So this would be your sort of sister-in-law? Is that what we would call her? Mm-hmm. Well, they never married. It's just his daughter's okay, mom. Okay, so how about this? Yeah, so you're calling, we could call this your girlfriend-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, yes. <laughs> All right. And uh, so now I'm going to read the cards. Card number one is called the Queen of Wands. This is a card of a magical queen. It's someone who has a lot of power. She sits on a throne outdoors in nature. She has a wand, which represents um, a candle by night. And she also holds a uh, sunflower, which represents optimism by day. And she's dressed in gold and silver, gold for the sun, silver for the moon. And she sits on a throne of lions, which stand for the day, and in front of her is a black cat, which stands for the moon and protection by night. This tells me that it's worth a shot. It's not guaranteed, but it is worth a shot for you to try to do this if you back it up with some magical work. Now, what that magical work is, we'll get to later, but we are seeing fire and we're seeing a wand, candle, or lamp, and she also has herbs in her crown. And so she's a crowned queen. That's the first card I have here. The next card is called the Ace of Swords. And this is a card of a hand of God holding a sword upright with a crown floating at second card with a crown in a row. And on this crown there are hanging some plants. One is myrtle and the other is palm. Myrtle is female, palm is male. But it's over what's called a rocky territory. Where this 
this sword is there and can cut through the BS, it's really over something that's not probably not as valuable as one would hope. To try to get to it might be difficult. Um, it's all rocks. It, there might be some treasure there under those rocks. might be some mining done. But this is something that's a hard path to follow. You can, you should tell the truth. The card of the Ace of Swords is about speech and about telling the truth, standing up to everyone and, and just, you know, telling the truth. But the problem is that um, someone's going to have to be sued in court for this to actually work. Nobody is going to give up what they think they've gotten if if they don't have to. No one's going to say, oh, I get it, you're right. They're going to say, no, I've got this, I've got the car, I've got the property, I've got the whatever it is. And so the last card is a card of conflict. And it says here that this might result in a fair division. The Ace of Swords means division. But it can also turn into family drama, family conflict. And that is the Five of Wands. And there are five people with wands, and again, those represent candles. So I'm going to say candle magic would be recommended, but be careful that you don't do any angry spells because there's people already going to be angry if you're rocking the boat. Okay? So those are my three cards. It's kind of, um, it says it's within your strength and within your capacity definitely to try to do the work, but be prepared to understand there will be a division. That dividing day, that Ace of Swords talks about dividing. And if you're prepared to break up portions of the family that will never talk to other portions again, if there's a lawsuit, go for it if you think you can. But be prepared to also defend yourself if it does come to conflict. It doesn't seem like it would be a violent conflict. No one is stabbing anyone else with swords. The sword just stands for truth here. But be prepared that harsh words may be spoken. And this is going to be a, a, a difficult situation if you pursue it. Okay? So I would recommend, uh, again, that you think about protecting yourself before you start. That's the little black cat of protection. That you think about being optimistic and cheerful, the sunflower, and that you make sure you understand that this may set into into movement a, a cutting apart of people in the family. And that's maybe not so good. One of the things on that Ace of Swords is that one part of it is female, the myrtle, and the other part is male, the palm. And the divisions may fall along gender lines very possibly. Okay? So that is my uh, reading. Let's see um, what happens when Elvira comes to us and gives a reading and tells us what she sees. Uh-huh. Number one, I pulled the tower, which is, you know, the, the process falling apart. It, you know, it has come to the point where the situation, the gentleman has passed, the situation is in process that falsehoods can be, you know, brought to, you know, brought forward. 
um, around the Five of Pentacles, the money which was basically frozen or whatever the, the, the inheritance is. And right now that, you know, the Two of Pentacles is moving things, you know, like in a seesaw, like first it was up and now it was down, up and down. I see that at the point, the chariot, it's interesting, I got the Ace of Swords, this cap, and the Page of Swords, which basically the pulling apart of the situation, but it's pulling apart also the family, and the Ace of Swords would be bringing truth. Yes, you need the Page of Swords to defend yourself. So make sure that, you know, you do protection around yourself um, as well as, you know, your your personal family members, just so that the energy does, you know, is, is secured because um, it's going to be a journey, the Six of Swords, down the river to go ahead, and you are going to be the one alone in the boat at this point, based on my cards, presenting this. Um, and at this point, you know, I kind of feel... Um, that you can do this, but again, as Ms. Cat says, do utilize magic, but definitely from a just position, a, a position of justice and balance as opposed to um, getting back what was, quote, taken from you or the way it was going to be in the beginning. Yeah, I hear you on that. It is going to be difficult. Once it got broken apart, the tower was your first card, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so once it got um, broken apart, it's going to be very hard to put it back together. What was your second card? I didn't hear that. Five of Pentacles. Five of Pentacles. Oh, that's a that's a difficult card that can stand for uh, poverty. And um, yeah, yeah, that's a, not a good one either. So we're not seeing. I mean, I hate to say this, but we're not seeing. Um, a really good outcome here, but it might be worth a try. Um, so then, then the next one you had was um, six of swords. Is that correct? No, the two of pentacles was the first row. So it was the tower, the five of pentacles, the two of pentacles. So the two seesaw. Of oh, okay. Yeah. So it's you know, I mean, it doesn't tell me it's bad, but it's this back and forth. It's going to be a back and forth uh, thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. and then the chariot definitely the pulling apart and the ace of swords. The page of swords was for her to be defend, you know, to defend herself, to protect herself. But mm-hmm. she will be doing this by herself with the six of swords. So we both got the ace of swords. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Ah, interesting. So I'm looking at this. Um, okay, so tower breaks apart. Five pentacles is poverty. Um, two of Pentacles is the seesaw. I get it. I see what you're seeing here. Um, you know, one of the interesting things about reading cards with um, somebody else is that you can kind of follow what they're saying. Yeah, mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Well, it looks like it's about um, a time we can turn this over to J.D. and see what he has to say in terms of spell casting now that he's heard both of our readings. Sure. Hi, Natalie. Um, so I actually suggest two workings. So the first one is on the mother of the daughter, and I would take a white female figure candle that you would baptize in her name. You would dress the head with King Solomon oil and clarity oil for her to see clearly and to know and understand what you're telling her. And you would dress the body with power oil 
so she would be able to be filled with action. Now you would dust the candle with crucible of purge powder so that she would be willing and able to act on it. And you would take Cascara Sagrada, which is a lucky court case herb, and make a cross uh, pattern on the table. And you would center the figural cancel on the center. And because this is a little more difficult and it um, seems like there might be a lot of trouble, I would suggest adding five bay leaves, one in each corner and one in the center. So it looked like the five pattern of a dice. So the fifth bay leaf would be under the candle. And you would recite Psalms 115 for the truth to come out, and you would also recite Psalms 23 for success while you pray for this mother to act on what you told her, to do what's right, to, um, you know, pursue this work, to go after what is rightfully her daughter's. Um, another working for the court, because in the reading it, it is pretty clear that you're obviously going to have to do some work to fight for this, is that I would get a brown crucifix candle and dress it with court case oil and dust it or with powdered Little John Chew, which is a court case herb, and circle it with court case sachet power. And then you'll recite Psalms 35 over it while you pray uh, to be successful in court and getting what is rightfully yours and what's rightfully for your child. And another product that popped in my mind as I'm talking is also um, Pay Me Now, since um, this is rightfully due to your child. This would be something that you could burn on a, a green candle as well while you do this work. Okay, wow. That's a pretty um, intense set of workings. Um, for those of you who are unfamiliar with J.D., he has a really creative mind and an extremely good memory for um, spells. I, I call him one of the best spell casters I know. Well, the court working... Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. The court uh, working is interesting to me, um, and I, I agree that pay me now um, or pay me oil is a really good one to use because um, it's not really though for you. It's to get everything spread out correctly. I would only add to that: <clears throat> you might take a make your petition uh, for pay me on a dollar bill. And uh, so that it has that money characteristic to it. Um, how about you, Elvira? Do you see anything that you would add to these spells? Well, I would do a honey jar, and I would do a mm. honey jar on the the other people to sweeten them, um, because I know we're going into adversarial process. And, you know, the honey jar is usually, you know, like the, the court and everything. But I get a feeling that the way these energies are playing out, that to do a honey jar on the other individuals, the, the, the deceased cousin's family and anything on that side, um, to sweeten them to an amicable settlement, an amicable way to deal with it would be better because of all the swords that we've had running around here. That's a good idea. Now, I'm going to go back to what I saw at the beginning. We're not, neither of these readings show a high chance of success. And this is not to say 
you can't pull it off. But none of us saw this as a walk-through. And so one of the things that you might want to do as you go into this is to ask that it be done for the highest good and that the mm-hmm. result be for the highest good. Not Even though it's the, the situation turned bad and went unfair, you might want to just say, let this be resolved for the highest good so that if you can avoid court and maybe have people make little settlements or gifts to one another to even things out, that would help. But right now, it doesn't look like fighting this all the way is going to be the most worthwhile thing to do. Okay? Does, that, does that make sense? You got our you got our uh, our ideas here. Um, I do feel that um, it's always hard to give somebody um, a negative answer when they ask a question, well, what do I do? How can I make it work? And sometimes the answer is, we're not seeing it working so totally well here. Uh, Remember, my reading ended with the five of wands, which was people hitting each other. So you want to be aware that you don't push this to that kind of a level. And Elvira started with the tower, which was a collapse. So be careful that you don't end up as the odd person out and everyone in the family angry at you. Keep the idea of that queen of wands in your mind. Be fair, be magical, be powerful. Sometimes you can't get what you want but you can still get people to think along certain lines, and they may um, give or um, come to their senses. But I don't see in this one how a big fight is going to help you. Sorry to say that. I just, you know, it's going to lead to problems as we read it. Mm -hmm. And and that is why um, doing the honey jar is such a great idea as an added thing that Elvira mentioned. um, And I, Patricia, said, I love honey jars, and J.D. said, I love honey jars. Honey jar, um, you can make a honey jar for a court case. And and J.D. says, discuss with the family to think what's best for the child. Okay? I like your idea of... um, of a honey jar if it was made for court case. Use deer's tongue to make your speech persuasive. That'll come. If you buy one of Lucky Mojo pre-made honey jars, it'll have deer's tongue in the mix, the little herb packet that comes with it. And um, Nagashiva adds in the uh, chat, pray too. (laughs) Yeah. I I would recommend Psalms 133 and maybe some... um, a peace water. Mm-hmm. That's that's the other end of this uh, to try to get the the calm part of people going along. Uh, Psalms um, one thirty three is about brothers dwelling together in harmony. Could be about the family dwelling together in harmony. All right. Well, good luck to you, and um, and we hope for the best. Okay, now we're going to have our electronic music portion in which we usually comment that Elvira and Phoenix are dancing over in the corner, but now Elvira's here so she can dance in person. And it's our fabulous network schedule announcement. (laughs) 
The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix LeFay, Fridays, 1 to 2. And Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 7 to 8. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time for our free spell segment from our special guest, Elvira, of elvira.com in Arkansas. Take it away, Elvira. Whoa. Okay, well, with all that dancing music, I think I should be able to do this. First of all, um, you would set up an altar. The idea here is to set up an altar uh, with your spirit animal that is that you're trying to connect with, be it one that is connected with you or that you're trying to find connection. Put incense into the east, a candle to the south, and a cup of water to the west with a stone in the north and a little container of salt. What you'll do is light the candle, uh, light the incense, I'm sorry, light the incense first and go counterclockwise around the altar and then put it back in its place. Light the, um, put three pinches of salt in your water. Take that and then what they call spurge it, which is go counterclockwise and sprinkle the water around the altar. Put that back in place. Light your candle. Go clockwise around the altar to bring in the light. Put it back in place. And then take the salt and sprinkle it around so that you are basically making this an encased working. And then put it back. And then I would like you to sit quietly and bring yourself into a more meditative state, allowing yourself to close your eyes. Go to the habitat of the animal. Know that you are safe at all times. This is a spirit animal and it is of a spirit place. And call it to you. Communicate with you. And it will communicate with you and you with it. It will either, it, a lot of times they will talk to you. They are not limited by the animals that they are in physical form. Watch the animal and listen to it. It will give you a gift. When you've gotten the gift, hold on to it and start to come back into physical form in the physical world. When you're completed and you're back, Combine all of the other elements, the incense, a piece of powdered incense, a piece of the candle, a little of the salt, the stone, and the picture of the animal. Sprinkle it with the water and put it in a pouch and put it under your pillow and do a lunar cycle. Now, it was mentioned when Ms. Kat and I were discussing this at the beginning, um, it is Avoid waiting to a full moon or lunar moon, you know, dark moon or whatever. It is a lunar cycle, 28 days from the time that you choose to connect with it. It doesn't necessarily have to be rigidly to a particular lunar part of the cycle. And it should bring you uh, closer to your spirit animal. Wow. All right. Um, now I have questions. Every time someone gives a free spell, I have some questions. All right. So when you're um, going to the habitat of the spirit animal, what if the animal, you can't go to their habitat? What if you can't go to Africa to meet that elephant? How are you going to work that? 
Well, what I would probably do is find a nice grassland, you know, a meadow, and call the spirit animal to that area. As close to, I mean, obviously it's not India, it's not Africa, but it is a open field which has, you know, elements of what its natural habitat would be. Obviously, trying to get to an eagle in the top of a, you know, a rocky area might be difficult. So, again, bringing it to an area that you can have a communication with it. And realize that their spirit side of the animal may not always be an identical version of its physical form. It may be able to talk to you in human language and may walk, you know, with, you know, when I say legs, it may have an ability to communicate in a way that's not uh, structured or rigid to its physical form. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. That's a, that's a good thing to remember because some animals are found only in certain continents, but they also have... Uh, local variant species, which will take uh, an interest in a similar habitat form. This is all, this is, you're going to have to learn a little zoology if you work with spirit animals. It's not all woo-woo. You have to think, you know, gee, if I'm going to um, work with a, a tiger, do I take responsibility for the fact that there are, you know, less than 400 Bengal tigers surviving in the wild? Do I want to be part of that thought? Do I want to work for them? Sometimes spirit animals call us, as I said before, because they're in trouble and they want more people and more people and more people to love them and talk about them and uphold their right to life. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff to think about here, you know, in terms of um, of how they're how you're going to um, think ecologically about spirit animals. Um, and uh, astral travel is another way. It's in a trance. If you go to the habitat of the animal, draw on what you've seen, you know, visually, in film or on YouTube, you know, tourist YouTube guys, you know, climbing up mountains and finding eagles, you know. (laughs) It's all there for you to think about. I... um, I think there's a lot that can be done thinking about animals and their habitats when you do this. So, J.D., what what suggestions do you have for this kind of work? Yeah. I was looking at the use of um, hoodoo products such as Spirit Guide, Indian Spirit, and Psychic Vision and putting those on a purple candle and then Hmm. uh, burning Spirit Guide incense while you pray and meditate to connect with your spirit guide and then taking the remnants of that and going out actually into the uh, wilderness into nature and connecting with nature while you look for that spirit guide to connect with mm-hmm. I like the spirit guide and the Indian spirit guide oil because um, well one a lot of this work is you know related to Native American too that you know, that when we're talking about spirit guides, we're not just necessarily talking about, you know, human spirit guides, so that these products are able to be used about in multiplicit ways to help you connect with your spirit guides. That's a really uh, a really good use of those um, 
um, those products. I like that a lot. Um, also consider if you're working with a an animal spirit, what does that animal eat and what does it like? And um, you may find that some of those things themselves have essential oils that go with them. Mm-hmm. All right, here's our music. And um, we're going to turn this over to Clifford, and he's going to um, give us some info. And then I'm going to come back and thank everybody in the chat room. And, um, and Shiva says, catnip, cat toys, boxes. <laughs> Great. <laughs> All right, take it away, Clifford. Thank you, Miss Cat and JD, and thank you, Miss Elvira of Elvira.com in Arkansas for being our guest this week. We invite you to join us next week when our special guest will be Doc Murphy of the Sibylskitchen.com in the Twin Cities of Minnesota and Afghanistan on the Doctrine of Signatures and How Magic Works. Once again, we've come to the end of another Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Work Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. You can find Miss Cat via the Lucky Mojo forum at forum.luckymojo.com and JD at hoodoohousedetroit.com in Detroit, Michigan. I'm your announcer, Clifford Lowe, joining you from clifflow.com. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Work Hour can be heard every week live on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and the shows are available in archive via luckymojo.com slash radioshow.html. For all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to thank you for being here and invite you to tune in again once again next week at the same time when you will hear the familiar strains of Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Waltz. Thank you, everybody, and goodbye. All right. Thank you. I want to send a special little shout-out to Mr. Christopher, a, a uh, forum moderator who suggested shamanic drumming while engaging with spirit animals. And I want to oh, thank um, Wick, Wick Way is Up, Tony I, Reverend Art, Onyx Rose, Mr. Christopher, J.D., of course he was here, uh, I, Patricia, Dr. Sweets, Danica, M.K., Cliff Lowe, me, Angela L., and Nagashiva, disguised as the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour, for being in our chat room. And um, thanks very much for helping. Oh, and Reverend Art. And uh, Reverend Art says, right. don't forget to check out and bookmark the learning portal. So many great workshops to choose from. <laughs> yes, Reverend Art. Hoodooworkshops.com. Guys, go there. Buy one of these now. workshops and see how much you like it. You're going to love it. <laughs> you know about it. All right. All right. Good night, all. Good night. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. Bye.